Welcome back to the Upper Tier Podcast, the football podcast we bring you each and every hour on the Dynamo Podcast Network. <laughs> Head over to YouTube, smash that subscribe and bell notification button. Joining me tonight for our Monday mashup show, the panel is in. Darren, Graham, Ted from Retrotainment and Craig. How we doing, man? Well, good. All good, man. All right. Jesus, lads, I know the results were bad at the way, bang. Oh, come on, let's bring a bit of energy yeah. to it tonight. Let's go through the results anyway. Let's start. Obviously, the lunchtime kickoff on Saturday. Ted and Darren, Manchester United nil, Aston Villa won. That ball just after blazing by my head there out of the solar mm. system. <laughs> <laughs> Darren, take it. Oh, where do you go with it, man? Um... Yeah, I suppose, like, you know, it's hard to take an awful lot of positives out of it. Um, but we're still creating chances, you know, which is obviously important. You know, the big issue is we're not taking any chances. Um, I think I saw a stat of 54 shots in the last two games. You know, um, that's that's mental. You know, to lose one at home to West Ham and one at home to Aston Villa, obviously in the cup game, you know. And there's... You know, I, I don't know whether you'd say the chances created are, are more half chances than sort of out there chances. But I mean, you've got the penalty as well. Like there's 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 a lot going on there on the pitch that that I wouldn't be overly pleased with, you know. Um I just feel like again, and I've I've heard other lads say this recently, we look like individuals rather than a team. That's, that seems to be, and you're always waiting on somebody to pull, you know, a little piece of magic out of the fire, be it a Greenwood against Wolves, be it a Ronaldo, be it, you know what I mean? You're always waiting on somebody to do something magical as opposed to a team that's going out there and and with patterns of play and, you know, and stuff like that. And this has always been my issue with, with Ollie, and we've spoken about this in the past, you know. I don't always look at United and know what they're trying to do. And and if you've got the type of possession we've got as a team and, and the fans sitting at home are looking at it, wondering how are we trying to piece this together here? Like that that's a struggle, you know? Um yeah, it was it was disappointing, man, to be honest. Yeah, well, I mean you can take solace in the fact that Ollie doesn't know, I don't know, what, I don't know what young Ted thinks of it. Uh, I well, first of all, I thought I thought it was a bit of a disgrace that uh, the game wasn't on telly anywhere. Like I know I know this whole thing about the, the cricket game and the concert and stuff came about. Not did Niall cut out for anyone else there or no I'm yeah, just ahead. sorry. Yeah, You're no right. I, I was it was it was annoying that it wasn't on telly. Like it was just kind of a you know I know the cricket game came around, but you think they would have sold the rights off to somebody if they weren't going to be able to show it or something, you know? bit mental to just not have the, the game on telly but watching it like the first half wasn't too bad uh, as Darren said we, we created chances the problem is I think coming out of that first half we had uh, 11 shots but only one on target and I, I think that speaks volumes like what what's going on here like you can people can blame Ole for you know certain tactical decisions but if you're out there creating 11 chances he's doing something tactically right for us to be creating 11 chances but if the boys can't hit the target mm. You know what? What more can he be doing? Like it's those boys need to be taking some responsibility on hitting the target with those chances that are being created. And then the second half was just 
that, that the second half was one of the worst performances I think I've ever seen from us. Normally we come out and we actually look better in the second half. We looked terrible in that second half. And I know Shaw went off injured and then Maguire went off injured, but it wasn't like Maguire was having a particularly good game anyway. He uh, set the hay up, set the hay up to to fail with that back pass uh, just before the end of the first half. Like, um, but there was just there was no spark in it. The the lads went out and just nobody went anywhere. And then we got a penalty at the end, which um, obviously Bruno fucking scored. Uh, he didn't look confident. It wasn't his normal way of taking penalties or anything. Um, so I don't I don't really know what was up with him because he's taken a lot of heavy uh, pressure penalties in the past. I don't know what happened there, but we didn't deserve the win. I knew, like, like I would have loved to have taken the draw, but we didn't we didn't deserve to win. Like Villa were the better team on the day, unfortunately. Mm. I think what Bruno as well. I mean, he's been on the receiving end of a lot of criticism lately as well, hasn't he? He hasn't been playing that well. Um, but I seen a good um, commentary there the other day where they turned around and said that Villa in the second half looked like the home team. People were pinching themselves and asking themselves, was this Villa Park or was it Old Trafford? And they also made the commentary as well that, as Darren touched on, United are relying on a lot of moments, these moments that create goals, as opposed to proper build-up play and passages of play leading to scores and, and goals and chances and stuff like that. And I think that is a fair comment because when, when you hear about United oh, yeah. and the goals that they score, they do tend to be those kind of moments and stuff like that. And, and it's... I suppose what you're looking for is you're looking for a performance off United that's nearly like a dirty, scrappy performance where goals just go in type of thing, as opposed to, you know, a sublime free kick or a 30 yard or, or a, you know, this kind of thing, a, a, an unbelievable set piece or something like that. You know, you just, you want a couple of scrappy goals just from play maybe or something like that that sort of triggers um, a different way or something like that. But I think as well, but Ollie is, you know, there's a bit of naivety there with him as well, isn't there, when you think about it? Because, like, I mean, you look at Van de Beek. I know you didn't get the result you wanted during the week in the Carabao Cup, but he was the outstanding player on the night. And yet he can't get a sniff in there. And McFred is going back in there again into that midfield. It's just, what what's going on? I, and Sancho, I couldn't, um, I couldn't believe. Now, I know obviously we did a couple of injuries to the defender. So, you know, there's two yard subs straight away. But you've got Lingard who came on against West Ham and got the winner. And he also was, other than Donny, probably our best player in the Carabao Cup. Yeah. So he's turned in a performance and had a goal, you know, to side the game for us. And mm. um, you've got Cavani, who's only just back in training. You're looking for a goal. He brings Cavani on. And I just thought, we've already got somebody that's going to do that. I.e. Ronaldo, you know, why not bring Lingard on and maybe let him check inside onto that right foot or... Do you know what I mean? I know it ended up then Ronaldo had to move out to the left and you're just thinking like, you know, he can't affect the game as he would have from the left-hand side in previous years. But, you know, um, he he wants to be inside with it all posts where he can get a header, you know, like he did with the two late goals against Ireland. But if he's not in there, he can't do it. You know, um, I thought it was a strange substitution, if I'm honest. Um, but absolutely, I, I agree with you, Will. Um, on the on the on the Van der Beek thing, you know, he was he was a standout against West Ham, are comfortably our best player, and his best performance for a long time in United Jersey. And it comes to Saturday afternoon, and it's like, take a seat there, kid. You won't be needed. You're just going, Jesus Christ! Like, what does he have to do? You know, are we getting to a point of a Wilfred Zaha here at United where he's not going to get a run because something's not something's gone against him? You know, now I know it was different in his case. He was throwing the leg over someone's daughter, so that's a different kettle of fish. <laughs> but, you know. 
it, it's that type of thing. Surely, surely to God, there's someone on that play, on that coaching staff that says, Ollie, uh, have a look there, Fred, in the middle, will you? Uh, put Donnie in there and let's see what you can do because he couldn't be as bad, you know. And, and I'm, a, I'm a fan of Fred because of his work rate and because of his energy. But on the ball, you know, you're home against Aston Villa. You've 65, 69% of possession, whatever it was. Put someone on that can put a couple of passes together and keep the tempo of the game moving. We struggle, although we have so much possession to hold it because nobody knows how to pass the ball. And even just as as we talked about, we seen weeks ago with the with the likes of um, the boys at Chelsea, you know, go and take the ball, get a touch, send it wide, take it back, take the sting out again. Instead of when Villa are building up ahead of steam, giving them the ball back and allowing them to keep coming on to us, do you know what I mean? Mm. It's stupid. It's like it's so naive. It's scary at times, and um, and like I I just can't. And I and I've said this for a long long time, and. Um, if any other manager in that top 10 got sacked, would Solskjaer be in the, the shake-up for the manager's job? No. Not on your nelly, right? So why, yeah. why is he why is he in charge of, you know, for my money, the biggest club in the world? Do you think, That's um, the part I don't get. Do you think... Uh... He, he, he transitioned. He transitioned us through a period, you know. But for me, he's plateaued now. And that's, that's where we'll stay until Ollie maybe you know, steps aside and somebody else comes in and somebody, and it might not necessarily be, need to be a big name, but it's got to be someone that tactically knows how to, knows how to play games and can be, you know, tactically astute and good with substitutions and all of these things that go into making a top manager and a top coach as opposed to just, you know, a guy that's at the top of the club, do you know? Yeah. Go ahead there, Craig, you want to come in? Yeah. Uh, Darren and Ted, do you think that if Van de Beek will come in, he will give Bruno a new lease of life with his technical ability and his passing on the ball, that Bruno would be more you know, comfortable and be able to receive the ball into a feet a lot more? Because Donny's very technically gifted and he has that range of passing as well. Do you think maybe that would give Bruno a bit of, you know, a bit of confidence as well, receiving the balls in and probably any area of the midfield? And keeping the tempo, as you said already, which I think Donny does control the tempo, even at the Zoyax days. He's very comfortable on the ball, like as you know. Donny needs to control the tempo because Fred can't. Yeah. You know, we've seen how bad five, six, seven yard passes he is. You know, he, he's going to give the ball to the left back or the right back and it goes out for a throw and you're like, that just happened. And then all of a sudden we've pressure on us. Like that's got to be really, really simple. Just a guy just sits in the pocket and just starts receiving from the back four, you know, playing in the double pivot, opening out, and he's able to get a touch sideways if he has to, he takes it back. He's a bit more patient. Like, there's runners ahead of him. There's guys there. You've got Greenwood, Pogba, Fred, Ronaldo. There's an embarrassment of risks there. But if you don't have somebody that can put the ball into the right areas to get it to them, it then becomes lads having to come deep, get the ball, do too much for themselves. You know, you see Ronaldo coming deep the other day. He's trying to turn and get, get shots in from 13, 35 yards because he knew he wasn't going to get that type of service up top because we weren't getting the ball into those sort of areas. Do you yeah. know it's yeah, I I don't know. I I I find Fred very similar to you know when you'd be playing, you know, just Sunday league ball or whatever, and there's one lad who's just not particularly good at you know you don't want to pass him the ball or anything. I I'd feel very like that with a lot of those players to Fred. Like they're like I'm not passing him the ball. He's only gonna buddy put it out of play, and then the, we've lost it. Like I I think he's he's a workhorse and he'll do a lot of running and he'll get around the place, but that's just not good enough. 
Like, that's not good enough. You can do all the running you want, mate. Go out and just run around the park down there. Th- that's not good enough at a top club. You can't be can't be that. I don't know what he's doing in training to manage to keep himself in that team ahead of anybody else because he's absolutely brutal for my money. Like It, it can only, I'm sorry to cut across anyone, anyone there, it, it can only be, he can only be in there on a statistical point of view, i.e. ground, co- ground cover and stuff like that. Yeah. I, I don't believe he's there on passing stats. I don't believe he's there on chances created. I don't believe anyone's even looking at him and going, you know, he's doing enough in this game that that's going to put us... Someone's looking at a piece of paper and going, he covers uh, 13.6 kilometres a game. We have to have him in there, lads. Do you know? And you're like, yeah. no, you don't. Because, you know, you can put somebody in there who covers half the ground, but is intel- is an intelligent footballer and does uses the ball it. better. Yeah, you know does I mean? something with it. Like, you can run yeah. 30, you can run 13 kilometres all you want, but if you're just running around in circles, mate, you're no use to anybody. You might as well fuck off the Olympics you're going to do that show. You can just become a Kenyan, like, you know what I mean? Yeah, no, I, I, I think he's... He's he's probably the biggest problem, and I I I think once we get him out of the middle of that park, I think it'd improve us a lot. I think Donny would be a huge improvement. Now I don't know how good Donny is to do that sitting defensive role. McTominay's not great at it either. I like McTominay; I'm a big fan of him, but defensively he's a little bit inept. He'll go forward a bit too much. You need someone that's just going to sit back for him. Yeah, but but don't forget McTominay plays centre back for Scotland, so he can yeah. play defensively. The, the problem yeah, with him in the United team is he's given a license to go, Scott, you're our box to box. And yeah, that's what he tries true. to do. He tries to come get it and go. If someone says to him, Listen, kid, there's a center circle, leave it and you're coming off, away you go. Like that's it's fairly simple. Yeah, true. Yeah. You know poor, what I mean? Poor coach. Um, poor coach. Absolutely. Absolutely. It is, yeah. And I you know? I, agree, I agree with Darren. I I'm a big fan of Ole, but I think Darren's right. Like he he took us from we were in a very bad position when he took us in terms of uh the last couple of coaches had, you know, it hadn't gone well. Uh, he steadied the ship. He brought back a culture to the club where the boys did want to be staying at the club and things like that. And tactically, yeah, he's not he's not great, but I wouldn't be getting rid of him just to get any old coach in either because I'd be worried that if you just get some, like anyone in, they'll ruin the work that he has done on, you know, building the club back up with a, you know, a positive attitude within the club. Um, so I think he's been positive overall, but I don't I don't think he's going to be the one that will bring us I, the, the I goal. I do agree with you, Matt, like... I do agree with you. You know, I think he's done a fabulous job for the club. You know, and he stepped in, he steadied the ship. He's got lads to sign contracts. The recruitment's been good. And the, the academy um, is, has started to, you know, turn around again. Yeah. There's a lot of pluses from from how things have gone. And I mean, maybe it's, a, it's something where someone says, you know what, this guy would be perfect for us because he understands the club and you let him take a step upstairs and he's director of football and he's yeah. involved in the club and stuff like that. But to coach the team, you need to have ideas and you need to have, you need to have track record of being able to, you know, get teams to play a certain style and brand of football, you know, other than the likes of Guardiola who came in there at Barcelona, having come from La Masia, like there was, there's been so few coaches that have come in like that and been able yeah. to, do that with such a big team. You, you need a track record. Like and, and you know, it's a it's a I know like some United fans are a bit polarized by this, but for me, I don't think at the minute United you know, could do any worse than Brent or any sorry, any any better than Brendan Rogers. I think Brendan Rogers would be absolutely yeah. fantastic at United. I really, really do. No, I, um, I've been a big fan of his for a while as well. Yeah. I think he's Yeah, obviously United fans are like, oh, you know, he's an ex-scout from Bloody Blah. If he's gonna come in and if he's gonna if he's gonna get the best of what we have there. 
Like, look, look at the Leicester squad. The Leicester squad's a good squad. You know, we've put a good squad together there. But the football he's had Leicester play and the, the, the togetherness and, you know, he's galvanised that club in, in tough times as well, you know, with what's gone on off the field and stuff. And he he was within, you know, he was kicking the arse away and winning a league title with Liverpool as well. He was, you know, for my money, a little bit unlucky. Um, he's obviously, listen, me or you could pick up championships in Scotland because it's absolute dog shoey. But I think he's a good, good manager. And I really think at the minute, tactically, he's miles ahead of where Ollie is. He's been in the game a lot longer, though, as well as a manager, you know. There, there is has. that as well. He has, but there's, the, he, there's a coaching philosophy. Yeah, no, I, I, do, I, do, I do agree, yeah. See what Ollie, you know, and even like, you're looking at, I'm kind of looking at Kieran McKenna and Michael Carrick on the bench, and I'm like, Who's calling the shots here, lads? Like, who's who's actually making decisions on this? The three lads are sitting having a little yap as if they're at the bar and the bleeding in the bills are over a couple of points. And you're like, lads, we're in Old Trafford here. There's 79,000 people relying on you three idiots to get something out of this. Like, don't be sitting there thinking, do you think we'll bring that right back on? Ah, oh, no, fuck it. We live a five moment. Do you know what I mean? It just looks very blase at times. And I'm thinking, this is important. This is like, this is people's lives. You know, you know yourself, lads, when your football team are shit. It ruins your whole fucking everything for everyone. Do you know what I mean? There's, there's, yeah. a, there's, so, a, there's kind of a time for a shared responsibility, and there's a time to step up and be the man, isn't there? Yeah. Um, and it does, that doesn't seem to happen there. We'll uh, look. We'll move on because we don't want to spend too long just on United. Except to say that mm-hmm. uh, three of us on here were pretty happy with that result at lunchtime. Um, <laughs> Chelsea nil, Man City won. Um, Tuchel showing us that he's actually human. Pep getting the better of him this time after three attempts. Um, Craig, you take this one. Yeah, to be honest, I think I was a bit, you know, blindsided. I kind of thought it'd be Tuchel maybe taking Pep's number again. Obviously, City haven't been in the best form and Chelsea have been steamrolling people like ourselves and, you know, you'd have been getting the results as well. At the bridge, it's a tough place to go for any team, no matter what form you're in, you know, it's a very hard ground to take a result from. But Chelsea did not show up, which they did. They were absolutely destroyed. They were pinned in. The possession was good from City to control the game. I think he got it wrong as much as I admire Tuchel. Um, I think playing Werner was the wrong choice from the start. I think he sacrificed his his formula for the sake of him, as in, you know, the tree behind Lukaku, which why fix why fix something if it's not broken? You, there has to come a time, and I know, Noel, how you feel on the Werner situation, there has to come a time where you just kind of say, don't play people for the sake of playing them or you know, I you know maybe his pace will get in behind, but he kind of felt like a toward wheel. I thought in the game, I don't think he helped Lukaku either. And the pink, what's happening with Lukaku as well is he's trying to find him instead of being that selfishness in front of goal. It looks like he's trying to oh fuck this, you know, I better try and get him in, try and get my goal. Fuck that, you know, you need to be absolutely ruthless. And Lukaku, I think, was trying to get his head up and see where he was instead of you know going in for a goal, linking up with Mount. I wouldn't be. The biggest Gabriel Jesus fan, just my opinion on him. Um, no. Just yeah, just my opinion. But at the end of the day, goals do win your games. And I know you touched on about the Villa look like at home at Old Trafford. I thought it looked like the Etihad and Chelsea were just basic Chelsea. Yeah, well, bar, bar the fact that it was full, fans. Yeah, yeah, bar the fact that it was full. Yeah, yeah. But um, now look at when when is the when is the time up for? team over here and I think that question does have to be asked and I think it is a genuine question but what does he bring it to the table yeah I suppose the argument from the Chelsea fans on Saturday would be that Ferner looked like one of their better players on the day 
I, um, I thought it, I thought he looked good as well. Yeah, I thought yeah. he had a good I don't know. Game. I just think but what I what I would say and I, like, I, Lukaku, like. Yeah, I definitely agree with Craig. I don't see Lukaku coming in and be that guy to act like Paulson at Leipzig and be the provider for Werner in any shape format. He's the um, nine, you know. And I and I don't think to be honest with you, I don't think in this league, in the Premier League, being so hard and intense and you know, no time on the ball, tight playing, stuff like that. I don't think that formula works in the Premier League. I think you'll get away with it in the Bundesliga and on the continent, but I don't think you'll get away with the Premier League because things are just shut down so quick. And I don't, I think when Lukaku picks up the ball, he's only one thing in mind, and that's to turn and go a goal. And I don't think he's looking for anyone except he, the only thing he's looking for this season is go a golden boot. Yeah. Um, and I just think, I think there was a bit of naivety from Tuchel there. I think he set up very defensively at home, which wouldn't sit well with the Chelsea fans. It was a massive opportunity missed. He could have put six points between himself and City. Um, and it, it, you know it was a bad all round display I thought Grealish was absolutely outstanding absolutely tore them asunder I thought Jorginho missing Kante never got a kick of the ball these are top level players to be made look that redundant and then you're going into a big game midweek now against Juventus as well which we'll touch on shortly but you know massive games coming up midweek as well and I just think um, I just think he set them up wrong and I think he, I think he went for a certain idea against City and it wasn't the way to go. I mean, he was at home. So the onus was him to go out there and put on a performance, you know, and I just think he dropped the ball on it. And he's been outstanding for Chelsea and Chelsea have been outstanding. So like, you'd forgive him for this one, but I'm sure the Chelsea faithful, they weren't too happy on Saturday when they when they seen what they saw. I, I tell you what, just to touch on something you said there, Grealish was outrageous. Unlucky well, not to just, score. Yeah, it was a great save by Mendy. Yeah. But just his all-round play, like, he wanted that ball at every single opportunity and he just wanted to go with fellas and torture them. And, you know, it was everything you wanted from from that kind of attacking player, you know, and making people commit to stuff that he didn't want to commit to. And his quality, his touch is excellent, you know, the way he controls the ball. Just an absolute... Baller, the young flick, have to say, such a massive fan of his. I know a lot of people rolled their eyes and they were like, 100 million for this shy bag. He is absolutely unbelievable for my money, I have to say. Yeah, and I mean, that's, that's up against that's up against a brilliant Chelsea side as well. And even you yeah. look at Laporte and you look at Diaz as well, absolutely nullifying Lukaku in the game as well. You know what I mean? It was, it was just outstanding. It was just, I don't know what it was. It's just Chelsea, it just, the, the setup just wasn't right. And you could see it really from the off because City had them penned in for large parts, even of that first half, you know. Yeah. It, yeah. it was Lukaku back to his uh, top six best, though. You know, where he yeah. decides to be a little bit, you know, go a little bit John Cena on it uh, when he plays those big teams because he was null and void on Saturday. Yeah, Absolutely. I, I wonder. I wonder what Craig's point is. That was when he was picking up the ball. It was, was the it, wrong time to change it. Yeah, but yeah. I wonder. I wonder was you he know. picking up the ball and thinking too much about trying to find Werner instead of playing the game he normally plays, which is turn if, and go at the. If they had the, uh, you know, Mount obviously hasn't been on the best form in recent days. But what if he had like you know, Ziyech and maybe someone else on the left hand side with Lukaku through the middle, and that occupies Cancelo and was this Inchenko left back the weekend. That occupies them going forward because they have to worry about what's coming the other way. But when you have a two a two man front to front like Werner's pace, Lukaku's strength, I just thought it was all in front of Diaz and and uh, Laporte. Yeah, I, I I think I think the bottom line on it really is like you're up against the champions. You have an yeah. opportunity to lay down a marker. 
Havertz is on the bench and Werner's on the pitch, straight away, that's a mistake. No matter where yeah. you go with this, that yeah. absolutely should never happen. It probably shouldn't. I I thought Werner there was a there was a few times though that like you seen Werner pick up the ball and he, like he'd go running up the pitch, and you'd see him look up and there was just nobody around him, and you're just kind of looking at the rest of that midfield going, where's the rest of this Chelsea midfield? Why is the only person up in that box when Werner's ran over to the like over like up to cross that ball in? The only person there is Lukaku. You can't just have one man in the box trying to header against the four or five City players defending it. But, like, but isn't where was that Chelsea midfield? But where, isn't, where they? But isn't part of the problem, Ted, the fact that Werner's the man on the ball crossing it in, where he should be the man receiving it? Yeah, possibly. But if he if he's got the ball and he's going up there, why like why are that Chelsea midfield not pushing up? You know, I know. Thanks. Yeah, maybe Werner shouldn't be the one out there, but he is the one out there. That doesn't mean just because he's out there doesn't mean your three def- midfielders go. Well, I'm not walking up there if he's gone out there. I'm not going to fill that gap. I I think there was a lot of um. A lot of questions to be asked about why he played three defensive midfielders. Maybe um, they were standing there shocked at the fact that Werner picked up the ball and made a run. Yeah, I, maybe. But I, I thought Werner did have a decent game um, yeah. overall. But yeah, he probably should have had the likes of Havertz. And, yeah. He wouldn't I, cross a road, though. Like, the <laughs> ball is absolutely poison. Like, yeah. Yeah, we've, just said, we've just mentioned it about Fred. Like, if he wants to be an Olympic sprinter, off you go, pal. You know, you'll struggle in the finals, but other than that, you might get yourself into a final. Like, when he gets the ball at his feet, his first touch is geek. Absolutely geek. Like, the, the last one I seen when I touched that bad was Larry Murphy, right? And he gets the ball, and you're just thinking, okay, Lukaku was a big target, lads. You put the ball into an area, and you let him be physical against the two boys, because he could bully Diaz, he could bully Laporte. He doesn't even give him an opportunity of that. Like he, he's putting balls, it's not clearing the fourth man. He's putting balls in, it's it, it's hitting the left back. You're like, what is this fella doing? His, his, his end product is about as useful as the damn Triores. And we've seen what that is like. Yeah, no, good point. But it, I, I was just thinking when I look back at it there the other day, like if it had been three or four nil, it wouldn't have, you know, it wouldn't have been flattering really. You know, Man City should have had a few, in fairness. Uh, yeah. Let's move on. Graham, we'll touch on you. Arsenal 3, Spurs 1. Very one sided nope. North London derby. It was over <laughs> half a half an hour. All your buddies were leaving the stadium within 30 minutes. Yeah, I've seen it. Wasn't, wasn't pretty, I'll tell you. Uh, I was in work on Sunday and I, I checked my phone after 10 minutes and seen that Arthur went one up. So I said, oh, let's see, let's see if we can get another goal. See if we can get an eagle either. Then... I think it was like half an hour in and I seen fucking three nil and I was like, fuck's sake. You were there, thank and God then, went to work. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then people in work were telling me that they were they were watching it and they were saying that Spurs were so bad, they were making Arsenal look good and Arsenal were a bit average. We were making Arsenal look good. Yeah, and uh, those people were watching you know, the different match. Arsenal were absolutely brilliant. Yeah, I was gonna say they were doing Arsenal a massive disservice saying yeah. that. Arsenal, Arsenal were uh, outstanding on the day to a man. Every single player, Odegaard, yeah. Partey, pulling the strings in the middle, Saka. That Japanese lad as well was outstanding. Tamiyatsu at the yeah. back. Oh, don't don't mention him. Son. Graham thought he was going to Spurs. Don't bring oh, him up now. It. It just has to be said. Has to be said. <laughs> Aubameyang all fired up. Tierney on the far side. Ben White in the middle. 
Unbelievable. Yeah. The whole team, Ramsdale and goals, unbelievable. His distribution was second to none. Uh, his save been, in the second half, near the end of the second half, was something else, wasn't incredible. it? Incredible. I mean, every single player was fired up. But now I'm looking back at some of the episodes we did and I'm thinking, maybe Arteta and Edu had a plan. And maybe we're starting yeah. to see the plan. And Edu made the point in his interview where he said, a bit of time, yeah. when you get all those Arsenal players back then, judges, and boy, did they have all those players back yesterday. And they absolutely smashed sports. Um, what What's your thinking in terms of the drop-off, Graham? I mean, in three weeks, you've gone from top of the league, maximum points under Nuno, everything looking rosy. Kane comes back in. Um, now everything seems to have to funnel through him. Um, and there doesn't seem to be any end product and he's looking like he doesn't even want to be there and now Arsenal are above he's in the league after losing their first three games or whatever it was they were bottom yeah. of the table um, Arteta, Arteta, Arteta now looks safe and Nuno looks like he's on dodgy ground well it's well, people people were telling me in work like it's I think it's more of a Kane thing like like when he said he's Said he wanted when he said he wanted to stay up Spurs. Then we gave the new, we gave him a new contract. We gave him a new deal, and then he brought back into the side. And like three games later, he haven't scored. We haven't won. We're beaten three times. And um, and the fourth and uh, before before we came on there, oh yeah, I had a look on um remember the last time we actually lost three in a row, and it was twenty twelve. And like I I couldn't tell you. The last time we lost four in a row, we may be going back to the mid nineties. Yeah, you've also you've also conceded and, nine goals, isn't it? In those yeah. three games. Mm. And now with a the table there behind Ted, um, with our next game, our next game against Villa won't be an easy no won't be an easy game. And if we lose there, it'll be serious finger pointing. Uh, with the next game, with I know we have. The, the conference game on Thursday let Kane play that but when it comes to Villa on Sunday take Kane out the side and see what see what performance we can shape up because it's it's not working with Kane in the side at the minute I think I think I can guarantee you CEO are going to come in with a bid in January but they're only up about 60 just to see if we t- if, just to see if we take it because <laughs> He's 60 at this stage, you should take that bleeding hand off. Mm. Yeah. I think I'm more, like, more like six. Yeah, he's been, <laughs> he's been, po- he's been poisoned. He he's, been po- he's been poisoned, yeah, he has. Oh, and Graham, you might be able to help me out here. Was the boy Romero injured yesterday? No. No. No, he was on the bench. So, so the bench. Would, why would anyone start Eric Dyer and leave your man Romero on the bench who looks like a centre-back? Yeah, yeah. That's, Eric that's what I'm saying. Absolutely stealing a living as a footballer. He's yeah. about to stay ahead of Phil Jones, except he stays a little more, a little healthier. He's yeah. absolutely shocking, shocking altogether. He really is. And Sa- have a good ha- Sanchez beside him is as bad. And Sanchez beside him is an just absolute liability. That's a <laughs> We've lost yeah. it in defence since Craig. Um... An absolute liability. Yeah. I don't. He, yeah. He's one of them blokes that doesn't know what he's going to do himself, and those blokes. Because yeah. if I can't tell you what you're going to make do, a mistake. Yeah. What's going on with Delhi Ali as well? I think Graham as well, and how you feel that surely has to be asked that question. Like, what's he even bringing to the table either? Like, you know, what happened to him? I said, like, you know, I, I said I think I said it to Noel on the uh, on the preview match show. Um, 
I think it's more of a Pochettino thing. Mm. I think we've, he was um, one of the managers that Deli Ali thought he was going to improve under. And then since that Pochettino left, I think it was, I think it was more of an Ericsson thing as well. So when Ericsson left, I think I think Deli Ali and Ericsson got on well. I think that was another effect. But when Pochettino what? left, it was like it was he, he deflated him. I'll tell you exactly what's wrong with Deli Ali. Yeah, the contract, the contract, is it? No, no, nothing to do with the contract. Shy. Maurizio Pochettino would have put his arm around him and absolute babied him to get yeah. any sort of feeling out of him. When Mourinho came in, he told him, listen, kid, you're the worst trainer I've ever seen in my life. Get your yeah. finger out and start doing something. And now Nuno's telling him the exact same thing. Kid, you want to start fucking doing something? And he doesn't like it. He can't accept the criticism. He's a bleeding snowflake. His miss is getting the heave-ho because he was playing too much Fortnite. That tells you enough about the bloke. She looked like a fucking supermodel and she chopped him off because he was playing bleeding Fortnite. Get out of here, pal, will you? You're, 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 paying, you're getting paid 200 grand a week playing for one of the biggest football clubs in England. And you can't put a tackle in, you can't put a shift in. He's up all night playing computer games. Get a fucking grip yourself, pal, will you? Have a look in the mirror, boy. Well, looking at him at the moment, it looks like he's only barely playing every fortnight anyway. So <laughs> anyway we'll move on from that. <laughs> um, we, we'll leave it at that, Graham. We don't want to torture you too much, you know. We'll wait till you hit the bottom three. Wait till next Monday when we lose again. Next Monday we lose again. You're, you're in danger of losing your spot, Graham, if you get relegated. You don't cover the championship. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll, do a championship, we'll do a championship show next year Yeah, we'll do a separate episode for that The, the, the Wednesday yeah, yeah. match <laughs> uh, <laughs> Craig, Brentford 3, Liverpool oh, 3 fuck's sake I know you don't want to relive this We've, we've covered right, this. No, we'll, we'll do it because Graham, Graham's had to get his one out of the way before, And yeah. the lads have gotten theirs yeah. um, so I'll say how it is uh, When the results obviously happened at lunchtime I was buzzing, not going to lie who, who wouldn't be? Because I felt that bit, you know, more excited and bit up for the game that we could get a result. I knew it wasn't going to be easy. We touched on that in the preview, yeah. but um, we didn't get off the coach. Let's just say how it is. We showed them a lot of respect. They showed us zero, and then rightfully so that they do. They could have been playing anyone. Could have been City away. Could have been Chelsea. Could have been doesn't matter. They just went onto the pitch and said, "Thanks for you know showing us a bit of respect, but we're giving you absolutely nothing back." They were they were dogged. They were aggressive, you know. Thomas Frank, who very big admirer of him. Um, the goal, the Pinnock goal, it baffles me how that even got across. You, you said yourself, you know, absolute shell shocked. We've been solid as a unit. We've been in good gear of creating chances, and our ferocity going forward has been, you know, really good. And we're only at the start of the season. It's not like we built into this kind of this kind of gear, like, but. The only thing I can take from it, and it's not even the point. I mean, maybe it is a point gain, but the, maybe Salah reaching the 100 club is the point that you know I'm happy with. Um, Tony and Embuemo, I think, are an absolute handful, and I think they're going to get a lot of big results at our home ground. Um, I definitely think they're you know going to earn a lot of respect for us. What more did we need going into that game? You know, the results went our way. We've been in good form. We've conceded one goal in the league. You know, it all looked good and rosy. Even if you're having an off day, no disrespect to Brentford, you should be able to get the job done, in my opinion. Um, similar to what Darren said and what, Pet, what uh, Ted was talking about, Bobby Firmino comes back from injury, comes on. Minamino and Origi did themselves a good service during the week. Got for the call. When 
I'm, I'll be I'll say how it is. Uh, I wouldn't be either of them. You know, I wasn't keen on either of them to stay and be really part of the setup because I didn't feel that they were. But the truth is, they are here and they do are trying when they get into the team. If you don't give them the minutes when they perform during the week and they might come on and nick us the winner, why why have them there? When he brings Firmino on, who's hasn't been he's been in and out of form, comes back from injury and he's more keen on giving him minutes. Yeah, yeah. I, th- I think the I think the naivety of Klopp, I was looking at it. I mean, Mane was playing and like he did absolutely nothing in the game. So why not bring no. a Rigi on and change it up? But I was also thinking about the fact that we went three two up with about eight minutes to go or ten minutes to go. Yeah. And I was thinking, just bring on another defender, put five at the back and shore it up and bit of game management. And um didn't seem an appetite for that. Robo wasn't really in the game, didn't bring Simicus on, could have changed that. So many changes that he could have made. Um, but just felt like either he didn't want to or wanted to save the players or whatever it was. But I just think, you know, we had the lead twice and we threw it away. And I just think a lot of it was a bit of naivety from Klopp. And I think naivety is the sort of message that's sent through the whole weekend in the Premier League. I mean, we've seen it with Tuchel, we've seen it with Oli, we've seen it with Klopp, we've seen it with Nuno. We've seen it with so many managers this weekend where it's just that naivety of understanding game management of what needs to be done when you're in the 90 minutes. Not beforehand and not after. Um, but when you're in the yeah. 90 minutes, that bit of uh, courage to make a decision, take a player off he's not performing and change it up and go and do something different if it's not working for you. And a lot of the top managers this weekend certainly didn't do it, you know, which was very disappointing. Sure, do you change his mind? I think you and Dean were spot on. Curtis, you know, he's at the grabbing a goal, a little strike. Why what not a, leave him? What Why not change well. him? What a strike. What a banger. Like. And for me and Noel. Especially, it's great to see a midfielder contributing to goals, which is nice outside of the front three. We needed that. And that shouldn't be something that we should have to kind of, like, you know, hope for. Midfield should be contributing to goals and assists anyway. Mm. Um, Trent, defensively, again, I think question marks has to be said. The back line, defend- Allison as well, prone to that one game or the odd game where it's just, you know, you know, we said it now during the game, is he coming our ground for it? We don't, we have committed and then he went back. Yeah, I've seen a lot of heat from Trent and I know Darren has spoke about this a number of times. He actually spoke about it on the Premier League preview, the naivety of Trent in terms of defending. But but I I think if you go back and you actually look at this game, if you look at how Trent was pushing and how he Mm. exposed Liverpool, surely they got Matip has to cover there. Matip provided no cover. Naturally, yeah, yeah. He left Trent really exposed at times and stuff that. And basic football in there is like if you're if you're if you're right back or your left back is pushing forward, surely to God you push out and you create some of that cover. You know what I mean? And there was none of that there. And I just thought that was a bit disappointing as well. And I know people went in hard on Trent, but if you look at Matip's movement as well, at times he was at fault there for not helping out and covering. You know what I mean? So, but look, it is what it is. I know we've strong views on Trent. Go ahead, Darren. Yeah. It's it'll be interesting to see, um, not on trend actually. It'd be interesting to see if if more sides decide to do that against Liverpool, and um, and that's what go with the two up front because before the game kind of started, um, the lads on Sky kind of had called it out, you know, and they'd spoken about. They said we'd be interested to see how the Liverpool backline having two up front because usually you know you're going with a central striker and 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 lads wide of them. They said, you know, the two boys do play as a as a more out and out front two, where both centre backs have to mark. So you know, and they'll have a man to pick up each, and and they kind of call that Liverpool might have a bit of trouble, and in the back line on Saturday before kickoff. So if that's been noticed or been noted by anyone in the league, 
will they then, you know, if, if United come to play, we're playing news in a couple of weeks. Does Solskjaer, if he's, if he's been doing his homework, does he decide to go in with Cavani and Ronaldo up front? A couple of boys on the wings getting balls in the box and keep it tight in the middle, you know what I mean? Just yeah. to just to, to to mix things up a little bit because if we go up with Ronaldo against the two boys and, and the likes of Greenwood and Sancho on the wings, I wouldn't be overly confident that we're going to get the type of um, the type of return that we'll need to win the game, you know? So I think I think that the opportunity to maybe play the two lads up front, Cavani and Ronaldo, um, as some sort of a tandem, or again, it Green, falls into the box. Greenwood and you know? Ronaldo up front and Sancho and Rashford think, on the wings. Yeah, either. they went with that front four. Um, Greenwood on the wing, just because I think if you're if you're playing Liverpool and you manage to get them turned like that, you want somebody like Cavani and Ronaldo who can head the ball, so that when you do get balls from the outside, from from the Greenwoods, from the Wan yeah. from the from the Rashford and from the Shaws, that you've got guys that can go and attack the ball. We I've been watching United for a long time, and we've been lumping the ball in the box, and we've no one to head the ball. Yeah, Whereas now we've got two genuine threats. You know, yeah. we're, we're headed. So I think that would be a great idea for us in a couple of weeks' time if we went up two v two against you at the back and tried to see, you know, if he's as good as his actually says are, you know. Yeah, yeah. they had uh, Henry and Canos, and then they had Embuemo and Tony as well. So they had wing, and then they had two central strikers as a pair yeah. as well as the two, which is a good point. That yeah, yeah. I get, I get what you're saying. Yeah. For your front, you going forward though with Liverpool. I think the last two or three weeks now, Niall, and I know he he has scored in a couple of games, but Mane has been very questionable. And I like you've brought it up for a couple of weeks now on your review, like your post match reviews and your player ratings. Mane has not been the player that he used to be. I don't know what it is with him, but he is, it's like he's just forgotten how to play or something. Yeah, it's a confidence thing with him. I mean, he went through a lot last season as well. If you if you think about last season as well, he was way off the boil as well. And I mm. think what's happening is, I think Klopp is trying to stick with, stick with him to boost yeah. his confidence to get him back in there again. But I think there comes a time when you have to look at that and you have to turn around and go, right, Origi, get out there and warm up or something like that. You know what I mean? Like you have to, you can't stick with it forever and you're not getting that and back off it. You know what I mean? And it's just, you notice with him as well, we, we we covered it a couple of weeks ago. I think it was in the Palace game. I think he scored and like he just turned and banged one in as opposed to yeah. overthinking of it and taking extra touches and he's trying to- Was Leeds. Was it Leeds? Leeds? Sorry, yeah. yeah, it was Leeds. Sorry. Yeah, but I just, I just think with Mane, he's a confidence type player. And his confidence was shot last season as well. I mean, he came out himself and he said that he had mental health issues last season and all, and it really got him the, the COVID thing and the no fans and everything and all that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, but I think Klopp is trying to get him to play back into confidence again. Um, but, I, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised tomorrow night now, like if oh, Klopp, yeah, Klopp like brings it. the changes against Porto. I'd be very yeah. surprised if he doesn't change it up again. Because um, he is starting to do a lot, of more, lot more rotation. Um, and he has a higher expectation now of goals coming from all around the park as opposed to just the front three. So um, I wouldn't be surprised at all if Origi was in there tomorrow night or if Jota was out there and Bobby up the middle or some sort of combination of those three or four. Maybe even Minamino's put himself in the window maybe for a position or something like that. So um, I think Klopp will make changes and I think it'd be no harm. Having said that, I spoke to Darren earlier. We were talking on the Shankly sessions, and he said that maybe it's a case of playing Mane. And if he was to bang in one or two tomorrow, his confidence would be through the roof then for the City game. So it's hard to know. It's a fine balance in terms of how yeah. you manage these players. Darren touched on it about how Deli Ali would need an arm around him and stuff like that. And all Mane is mm. kind of like that a little bit as well. I think he needs a little bit of that kind of um, 
I don't know what it is. He seems to be in the shadow of Salah all the time as well. You know what I mean? And it's as if those two have this running kind of thing going all the time. Who's trying to better who type of thing? I think this season Salah's been less selfish and he's tried to play him in a lot of times and stuff like that. And Mane also. At times when they should be actually pulling the trigger and not trying to play each other in. Um, but I just think that's yeah. the way that's the way Klopp t- tends to manage things. Um, he's not normally as ruthless as, as we expect he should be. Um, but it mm. reminds me saying tomorrow night will be an interesting lineup without a shadow of a doubt. But I just thought, I just thought with Brentford it was more in-game sort of naivety rather than anything yeah. else. You know what I mean? And I think it is a tough place to go, and a lot of teams will drop points there. There's no doubt about it. I mean, Thomas Frank, he has them playing really good football and playing within themselves. And as Craig said, they don't give a shit about anyone else. They're going to play their type of football, and it'll either come off for them at times or it won't. And it's encouraging to see from a promoted side that they want to come up and play their game and see how successful they can be. So good luck to them. Um, let's move on. Let's do a bit of Champions League preview coming up. I don't know about you guys, but I looked at the four games this week and I don't think I've ever seen four as exciting games in the one week in a, in a match week for the Premier League teams. PSG versus Man City, Porto versus Liverpool, Man United versus Villarreal and Juventus versus Chelsea. They're four meltwatering toys, aren't they? When you look at them all. Yeah. Week. Um, I won't I won't linger too long on PSG versus Man City. Um, it's probably the toy of the round, really, when you think about it. Um, the oil classical. Yeah, yeah the oil <laughs> classical. <laughs> Shout over there. Um, are they playing that game in Abu Dhabi, are they? Yeah, with tea towels <laughs> 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 behind closed doors because it doesn't matter <laughs> um, uh, Craig we'll start with you Porto versus Liverpool I did a preview on this earlier and I, I made the point that, that Drago is a place it's tough, a tough place to go it's the as I said I think on um, the reaction video it's it's like Turkey you know you know you're in for a night of hell basically um, we've had recent good luck against Porto as you know but I think this Porto isn't going to be like that it's not going to be that straightforward anymore they have gotten themselves together and sorted out the club in a whole. With the stadium, with the fans, it's always been that kind of like, you know, the San Siro, the Drago Stadium. is For English teams especially, <clears throat> it's very difficult. Um, tomorrow, I think Klopp is going to ring the changes anyway. Even if it's City or not the weekend, I think the changes have to be rung. But I would like to see if the changes are rung, they're not just for City. I'd like to see people come in and make a statement. It's Champions League still at the end of the day. And if, if we got a result tomorrow, it would go a long way for us. Two wins on the board. Not going to be easy by any stretch of the imagination. Pepe in there, we know what he's like. He's an absolute no case. There's a lad on the left midfield who I'm very fond of. He's Brazilian. His name's Octavio. He's very good in the ball and he's very direct. Um, he'll have no problem running at us. They have a good work rate, good engine in the team. For us... I'd like to come out not to lose, but I would like to try if we could maybe stick tight and maybe even nick it. I think it's going to be a very, very tough night. Um, With the changes that he makes tomorrow yet to be seen, I think Trent isn't gone. Isn't that right? Trent's been left behind. Um, I'd like to say we could try nick it hopefully 1-0 and get out of there with the three points myself. Yeah, I, I predicted on the preview show a score draw. That's what I think. I'll yeah, have. I think I it's going to be tight. I think it's going to be tight. Yeah, but I would like if we could get out of there with a 1-0, it'd be over the moon. A score draw wouldn't be the end of the world either. Yeah. 
Depends if Pepe gets him sent, himself sent <laughs> off within five minutes of the game starting, you know. You can't tell with that lad. He could be gone could within do that six minutes. Tunnel, couldn't he? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Looper. And in the tunnel only coming out for the warm-up, not yeah. even for the game. To his, own, to his own teammates. Window liquor. Yeah, walk up, <laughs> kick, walk up, kick the referee square in the mouth and then walk back down the tunnel. You'd never know what that lad's... Yeah. What happened? Um, Man United, Villarreal, lads. Must Six win. Pointer. It's a must win, Six. I think, isn't it? Yeah, absolute six pointer, man. Um, if we don't win tomorrow night at home, we're looking at tours of night football square in the face again. Yeah. Um, you know, like you couldn't have foreseen us going out and losing to the uh, to Jimmy Savile boys over there in Switzerland. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, like, and now and now we're we're back with our arch nemesis. Yeah, I'm in. Nah, yeah. never mind him. Home of the home of the nil nil draw. We haven't had it. We've we haven't scored a goal against Villarreal in like four Champions League games. We've been yeah. four nil all draws. Um. So yeah, I'm not looking forward to tomorrow or Wednesday night if I'm honest, man. I'd I'd love to say we'd we'd open up a can of whoop ass on them and put two or three <laughs> past them. But I just don't see it happening. And I think we will probably be we be without Harry as well. Which means we're gonna get a look at Victor, Victor Lindelof playing next to uh, Rafael Varane, um, and you know, depending on how how quickly Shaw recovers as well, we might be without Shaw. So there's a few changes in that back line, um, but we need goals. We need we need goals on Wednesday night. Now, hopefully, you know, Ronaldo can uh, he loves the Champions League and hopefully he can get two or three and make things comfortable. But I don't think it's gonna be an easy night. Um, I think we'll we'll squeak it by one. I'll say, uh, I'll say three two United. Three two United, Ted. Yeah, guys, oh. I'd be, I'd be similar to Darren in that I don't think we'll keep a clean sheet, but I, I don't think it'll be three two. I think maybe two one or something is, is probably the way. I don't, I don't see us going out and dominating these. We haven't, uh, haven't looked like we'll be dominating anybody since we battered Leeds around, and uh, I don't know how much of an accomplishment it is to batter Leeds around anymore because Everyone's they look like. They look like they're walking out to ask to for everyone to batter them. Like even there in the Premier, they, like even there this weekend, like West Ham, it's one all. Just just hold on, lads. Nah, fuck everyone forward and see what happens. So that's what happens. He's lose two one. Um, so I don't know about Villarreal are coming into that game with a nil nil draw at the Bernabeu, which will do a lot for that confidence as well. I'm sure. Yeah, exactly. You know? We're we're what three three on the trot now. And they've kept our team together, which I think is is you know very good for Emery, as in they've kept the core. We're not, we're, we're not, we're two on the trot. We beat West Ham again. Oh, two on the trot. Yeah, Craig, Craig just dropped that draw at the Bernabeu, and Darren looked away and went, "Oh shit!" I didn't even realize, like, like he didn't even realize. Like, oh, good lord! It's just like we've, we've created 50, 55 chances in two games, and the boys have just come back from nil all at the Bernabeu. Great. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, we, we need we we really need the win, but this is not the game you want to be going into in this group needing the win. You'd rather play one of the other two teams thinking you need the win than Villarreal. Like, we, we already did though, we lost. I know, yeah, but you know what I mean? Like, yeah, <laughs> if you were given the option at the start, any of those three teams that you had to get the win against now, no you, well, it, it, well, it wouldn't it, be them you'd be picking. You'd imagine the Haya be up for it because he knows on Wednesday he doesn't have to take a penalty at least, so he'd be all right, like you know. Yeah. Um, he might if Bruno keeps hating him like fucking the last one. 
No, no. The other the other slicks that'll be ripping the ball out of Sand. I don't see him taking another penalty for a few weeks anyway, that's for sure. Um in terms of, I mean, you mentioned there, Darren, it's a six-pointer and you could be staring down the bottle of Thursday night football. Devil's advocate, if you drop into Thursday night football with the signings you've made, he has to go, doesn't he? He has to go. Um, the only thing that could save him is his league position. You know, if if you dropped into Thursday night football and you were top of the league, would it get you a little bit of leeway? Possibly. Um, but other than that, like, if you dropped into Thursday night football and you're fourth or fifth, yeah, good night. Turn off the lights on your way out, kid, there, will you? Mm, but remember remember what we spoke about before, Darren, that if you do drop into Thursday night football, how it affects your Sunday and your Monday night football. Abs- absolutely, yeah, yeah. You're, you're playing Sunday afternoon or Monday yeah. evening, which means you have to, you're, you're playing catch-up on a lot of teams uh, then, you know? Yeah. And yeah. plus you've got the, you know, the rigours of the travel. Because, I yeah. mean, most of the teams left in those Thursday night games are playing from in the far-flung east, you know what I mean? You're going to Russia yeah. or Turkey or some shithole country in the middle of nowhere, you know? And you're trying to convince Varane and Ronaldo to get on the chair. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. <laughs> Come, on. Come on over. Yeah. It's been a while since those boys played Thursday night football, unless it's a training match. Boy, the sides in the car park. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But uh, interesting, yeah. But you, you reckon United maybe by the odd goal? Yeah, I, I think, think so, we'll, yeah. I think we'll win it by one, yeah. I think we'll just get over the line. Then we'll round it out, Craig. Juventus versus Chelsea. Yeah, um, Jesus, Juventus have had a horrid start to the season, haven't they? Like they were down in 18th and they've conceded goals and they've been scoring as well. They won 3 2 the weekend, I think, against Samp. Um, they're, they're winning and score, they're winning, sorry, and conceding, not like Juventus, which is very strange, you know, conceding twos and, you know, losing. Napoli gave them a hiding as well. Napoli look absolutely solid in their own right. Chelsea coming off. Probably a strange result for them because they've been absolutely solid. That goes for saying, including the game against Man City. Going into that, we I, I thought they were going to get the result. Chelsea, being honest, you know, um, this is a very strange one, isn't it? About how to call it in a European tie because will Juventus get a bit of momentum now that they've actually ground out result three two? Will Chelsea have something now? They only bet Senate one 0 you know, in Europe, which at home. That was surely a shoe in to be at least three or four. Like, my, I think I'd minus two. Couldn't believe it. They only scraped away at one nil. I can see, I just can't see Juventus keeping them out though. As you know, Juventus in old Italian side usually are solid from the back up and very, very hard to break down. But they've been leaking goals left, right, and center. Like they really have. They're relying on the ball, they're relying on Maratta, which is God help anyone who's relying oh, on it. <laughs> I think Tuchel will be absolutely livid with the performance and result and the setup, and I think he'll he won't hang about on that, and I think he'll want to get that sorted and rectified asap. I I think Chelsea will I think Chelsea will beat them, but I think I think it could be a long night for Juventus. Do you know that? I really do. I don't see this going three two or anything like it. I think three one Chelsea. To be honest, I think they might nick a goal. Juventus, but I think Chelsea are going to have way too much of them. No disrespect to the likes of Sam Dory and the other teams in the league, but they've been putting twos in that past Juventus. You know yeah. what I mean? It has to be said, it has to be looked at. You lost problem. Ronaldo. You lost Ronaldo. It goes to show how impactful he is. You know what I mean? Mm. Well, I mean, I suppose with them there last year as well, they didn't exactly set the world alight either. No. Um, they came good in the end and just about scraped in there. About, just about got in. Like just Napoli were like all off. But it's, Napoli, um, yeah. it's a massive collapse in Juventus, really, isn't it? As a as a as a European superpower, really, to think that 
you'd be thinking Chelsea going there with a comfortable 3-1, 3-0 win maybe, you know, and, you know, it's never easy travelling to Turin. Tough place to go, another cauldron of a place to go, you know. Their, um, their recruitment has been shocking over the last it's few years. It's been like Barcelona. It's been yeah, absolute dog shit. Absolutely dreadful. Really, really has. Um, and, and that's Penny. where... That's like that's where there's a lot of stuff stemming from is from really really poor recruitment and you know guys going out and spending money on big players and like they sold Joe Cancelo and replaced him with the boy Danilo and like he's he's the most Dutch looking bleeding Brazilian I've ever seen in my life he's bang average and he plays every week in that side and you're like well how's this guy getting in here like he couldn't get a game for City and they didn't defend very well and now he's gone to one of the tightest teams in world football and he's mm. playing week on week and I'm just scratching my head going, this is nuts, like. And the lit hasn't know? settled at all in Italy, like, you know, he, there was comments even made as far as, you know, his dress code wasn't like Italian suited and he was getting remarked on even on his personal, mm. you know, stuff like that. You know, he's still like, only a young lad and he was like Van der Beek, you know, he was one of the high prizes of the European competition of where he would go. When he went to Juve, I thought, it was perfect for him to learn off the likes of Benucci and Kalini, but it's gone the complete yeah. opposite way, you know. Yeah, they, they also they also have signed a bit of quality, haven't they? Though, and the quality that they signed, they just haven't played. They don't use them. There's a they, lot of. You think about the likes of Rabio, who they brought in, and they barely even played them. Like they need to hold on to Kulevesky. Kulevesky is going to be absolutely top drawer. I think if Juventus can hang on to Kulevesky, he's going to be absolutely phenomenal. With Isaac Cross Sweden. Comes in from the right, he can play right forward, right wing, kind of operates on the side and as a third kind of forward or second forward. But will Juventus, as Darren touched on, the recruitment, are they even going to care? And probably if a bid comes in, they probably say, ah, fucking happy days and just take it. You know, they're looking in an absolute awful state. And I had them to come back before Ronaldo went. I put my own team down, who are actually doing amazing under Inzaghi. I put in there, you know, at the backbone or to get top four with the players that they were losing. But it's the other way around, maybe, you know. Yeah. Graham, what are you thinking? You found us at Chelsea. Me, I, I think Chelsea. I think like Craig said, I think Chelsea will have too much for them. Like Easily. I've been following Juventus. I have been following Juventus myself. Um where they are in the league is just laughable. It's just, it's 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 uh, never never where Juventus should be. They're always they're always challenging for the title. Obviously, stuff going on with other clubs in Europe. They're going through the same thing, you know. It's just hitting them hard this, this, this season. Yeah, I think this this collapse of the ESL really has hit a lot of these clubs hard. I think they they were banked on massive money coming in on this project. Yeah. And that coupled with COVID and everything else that happened with no fans and all this kind of thing. And we know Italy was especially hit bad with COVID, heavy, big time. Thousands upon thousands upon thousands of deaths and stuff like that, and all you know. So, yeah, it's a tough time for them, all right. But we see that through a lot of these European leagues at the moment now, they're absolutely hammered financially. We see it with Barcelona, we see it with Juventus, Inter have had their financial troubles, even though they won the league. But it's um, it's just it's systemic through that through all these European leagues at the moment in terms of financial situations. I, I see Juventus there the other day posted a loss of 230 million or something like that. and it's amazing the way these clubs post these losses. They post <coughs> them like it's a tenner that fell out of your back pocket or something, you know what I mean? Yeah, no, if, yeah. Eventually it catches up with them, you know, regardless yeah. of, 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 of the magnitude of the club, you know. Um, I, I think the, sorry, I think the, um, what says it all to me is if you look at what we've seen over the years at Juventus, you know, um, 
Alessandro Del Piero, um, Roberto Baggio, Alvaro Morata doesn't kind of roll off your tongue. No. Like Juve have always had an unbelievable striker. Alan Boxic, guys like that. Fabrizio Ravanelli, really good strikers, you know. And like Morata is so poor. He is just so, <laughs> so poor. Like, I don't know when when guys are signing him, like when he signed for Chelsea and he was at Atletico, he's at Real, he's at Juve. I'm like, am I missing something here? Like, these are four premier, premier clubs in European football. Yeah. I wouldn't give this a game for me, local, this fella a game for me, local Sunday league team. He is absolute pony. Started like, ahead of Jared Moreno in the European like, Championships. I couldn't get the fuck out has he, got fucking, has he got photographs of the bleeding Pope with his hand up someone's skirt or something? Like, what are we doing here? This is fucking... <laughs> The answer to that is probably. It's just yeah. mind boggling. I'm like, how does all of these great managers, massive clubs, look at this bloke and go, I know what the answer to our troubles is? It's Alvar Marathi. No, it's fucking not, man. Why didn't they go for um, someone like who I'm very happy we got because I didn't see anyone coming in with Latoro? I am delighted with the signing of Zeko because he's a natural goal scorer. He does a job. Absolutely. He's absolutely phenomenal goal scorer in return. Why didn't they yeah. get him as the central vocal forward and supply him up, play the ball off him? You yeah. know, Quadrado coming down. The big man and, and the little man. Yeah, it would have worked, yeah. you know. I'd say the problem is if you've posted losses of 230 million euro and you suddenly have this lad sitting on your bench every week getting 300 bags a week, you know what I mean? <laughs> Someone's going to start asking questions, you know? Um, just, just two other points I want to bring up, lads, in our hot topics. One would be Bielsa and Leeds looking yeah. very, very ropey at the moment. Jesus. Um, could be um, in serious trouble. Uh, Simply have abandoned defending. Fuck's uh, sake, Ted touched on it with West Ham yesterday or the day before. West Ham where Mikel Antonio just in the dying seconds of the game just absolutely tears them asunder, goes on that run and puts a ball away. What a beautiful goal to watch as well in terms of... Brilliant team. goal, yeah, yeah. In terms of a team goal and probably a goal that a lot of us are crying out for, especially you United fans would love to see United put a goal together like that. That's not a moment. That's a goal, mm. you know, built from the back right through. Um, but Leeds, I mean, defence, shocking. Um, is he in trouble? Is he in real trouble? Is he in trouble of being... I don't, no, I don't, I don't think no. he's in trouble with the Leeds faithful. No, yeah, I think he's enough credit in the bank at this stage. Getting them into the Premier League was a massive, massive step for the club, you know? Yeah. And, and obviously last season, keeping them up, like he could really and truly have them rock bottom. And, and I still don't think they'd look at at making a change because I think they believe in him and I think they believe in his ways and I think they they'll they'll they have some sort of an argument that okay you know the results aren't what we want but no we're going in the right direction type thing which is a bit of a bluff as well but I just think they've they've bought into him so big and you know I don't think they'd they'd look to get rid of him at all. I think yeah, they need to strengthen that back line though. The back line needs oh, to be looked at badly. Like Calvin Phillips is a top player I think I think he's great but what's yeah. behind him? Yeah. I'm being gen- just being genuine. I'll, I'll tell you, I'll tell you how bad that back four is. Yeah, boy and Eric Boy would make them and would improve them massively. Yeah? yeah, and and that will tell you how bad they are. You know but, what I mean? Like, yeah, I, I think part part of it is that like, in terms of like actually just watching them, 
what an entertaining side to watch. Yeah, you know? yeah. So like that's where the Leeds fans would be coming at. They'd be uh, from a neutral know, point of view, obviously, Tits. Not if you're a Leeds fan. No, but like if if you're a Leeds fan, you know that's the argument you're going. Oh, well, we're going in the right direction. Like we're attacking well. We're doing all this, and that's that's true. Attacking wise, is a great, is a real good to watch. But if you can't defend, you can't win. Like if you don't have a spine in your team, you're never going to end up winning those games. Like you're going to end up conceding to things. Um, I, I don't even like. Other than Phillips, like once you get past Phillips, you're kind of sorted, aren't you, really? And he's in the centre of the park. And that doesn't bode well for you. I suppose my concern is they go into most games needing they need, knowing they need to score two or three. That's true. Get yeah. over the three, line. And that's, a, that's, a real, that's a real worry. That's true. Especially when especially when Bamford needs 15 chances to score one. Yeah. <laughs> and the fact that you know that that defence is going to concede nearly every game. Yeah. Every game. They brought in only Dan James, really, though, didn't they? They didn't. And I've got to say, um, they completed the signing to... of your man uh, from City, didn't they? They they actually signed them rather than just having them on. Jack Harrison, well. yeah, and they the brought Jack in Harrison. Harrison. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I just I just kind of had him. Yeah, yeah. Left back, Yeah. Well, I have to say, you know, um, if if anyone's doing themselves, you know, a little bit of justice at the minute, I think the keeper's doing all right for me. I have to say, yeah, he's all right. Yeah, there's a lot of shots coming in on him. There's a lot of shots coming in on him. He's he's a busy boy, like, but he's a young goalkeeper. He commands the box pretty well. He's a decent shot stopper. You know, he distributes the ball well. I think he's doing well for them. I have to say, and I think without him, you could see an awful lot more goals going in. Reminds me of like Henderson, uh, Sheffield United, like you know that kind of like last like kind of brick wall you have to put up, doesn't it? Like you know, yeah. Yeah, I, th- I think they'll have enough to be okay, but I think they need to just uh, get points on the board really quick. But I think if you have a chance like the other day in that game to take a point away, shore it up and see the game out, bit of game management, don't be going gung-ho. It's a bit silly, like, you know, a uh, bit naive. So. But they Can't wait to- for Leeds and Brentford. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, absolutely. 15-goal thriller. Yeah. Oh, my um, God. <laughs> I-, I suppose... The other one I want to bring up is the flip side of this. David Moyes at West Ham, he was doing an absolutely outstanding job. Superb. Outstanding. Yeah. And I, ju- I just think um, they're looking like a real shoe in now for a European spot, aren't they? Yeah. Again. Top nearly, six. Nearly yeah. again. They have the uh, Europa. Like, they were denied last year, aren't they? They have that conference during the conference, I think. I take a lot of stick on the United forums. Um, Ted will probably vouch for this. I think you got hard done by it, you know. It's I really, really do. Um, Myers, you know, um, I think like he had a, he had a really poor window when he came in, and obviously was able to maybe get Fellaini in the door, but he was looking at the likes of Fabregas and Bale, and he was looking at these actual footballers who could improve us, and the window didn't go his way, and then the January the same kind of thing, you know, but. You know, from a from a managerial point of view and from a tactical point of view, if you look at what he's achieving with a with a far inferior squad than Oli is achieving with a far superior squad, you know, it's a no brainer who's the better manager here. Yeah, I think Moyes is a weird one because he came into a team and he did he did come into a bad team. Like Ferguson left him in the in the pan, you know. Yeah. I know, I, and people always say, yeah, well, Fergie won with that squad. Yeah, but when you're the best manager, you know, you can win with a squad like that. You can't hand it off to somebody else and go, well, I won with it, so you should be able to as well. But yeah. I do think, I think Moyes has a level, and I think this is his level. 
you know, a team that's nobody's expecting to be winning at, and you're not expected to be winning the league or at. The likes of Everton as well, you know, when he was at Everton, people thought he was a very good manager. And I think it's very similar to West Ham here. If he went off to a Chelsea or a City or a Liverpool and he was being expected to be winning these games and expected to be winning the league and things like that, I think you'd see him crumble under the pressure again. I think United was just too big a job for him. Um, I think he needs that sort of a, that little kind of scapegoat there to say, well, you know, we're only West Ham, we're only Everton. I think he needs that to. I think he needs that behind him so that he has the confidence to go and do what he can do. Um, I don't think he's a bad manager, but I don't think he a top club is ever going to be for him. I think this sort of fifth, sixth place, you know, on the fringes. I think that's where he'll always be, and it's where what do you he, think about where he needs um, to be. If he got the time at United to put his own stamp on things, like his own no. identity on the club, do you not think that would have changed anything at all? No, I, I don't think he can handle that sort of pressure. I honestly think that he needs, I think he doesn't believe in himself enough to do that. I think he needs that little something behind him to say like, we're not a, we're not a top six club, like West Ham are the top, top six club, you know, nobody would be saying that. So he has that behind them. If they finish seventh or eighth, you know, well, were you expecting them to finish that much higher than that? No, same with Everton. So when he does, it's an achievement. But with United and those other clubs like that, it's not an achievement. It, it, that's a, a failure. And I that's I think he worries too much about that. And I just don't think he has it in him to be a top manager. Don't if, you look at it, if you look at West Ham, though, they were playing like antiseptic football for a long period of time. And, you know, he's literally transformed that club, I think, into a football inside. Yeah, I think he's a good manager. I think he just needs that something behind him that says, you know, if I do fail, he needs that safety net there that says, if I do fail, I won't be crucified for it. Because if West Ham finished sixth or seventh this season, nobody's going to be saying that he failed. Nobody. I think but, if anyone, um, you know, gets in there, like the likes of even Villa, I think they'd be over the moon with that. I think um, the recruitment <clears throat> has been exceptional for David Moyes at West Ham yeah. as well. And I think... Um, I think if he got more time at United, we never know what could have what could have been. I don't know, like how he, possibly, you know. possibly. But I, I just think that I think the job was too big for him, and I don't mm. think I think if he went to any of those big clubs, I think it'd be the same deal. I think he's got a level where he needs that safety net behind him. He doesn't, he's not able to make that final step up to being a top top manager, um, and he needs that little safety net behind him that says if I come seventh or eighth, no one will say I've done badly, but if I come fourth or fifth people will praise me and I think he needs that it's, it seems like a confidence thing or something what, because... what, what equate and, I, and, and I, this is a question rather than a criticism or anything like that what equates to being a top top manager like if you get Everton Champions League football and then you're putting West Ham in the Europa League is that not a top top manager it's, it's a solid manager but if you like if you're not expected to get there and then you do get there it's a big achievement but if you need to have that safety net to to have the confidence to go and do that, that stops you being a top top manager. You know, like he, he I don't think he could do that with a top club. I don't think he could go and win a league. If you gave him City now, I don't think he'd go and win a league. I think he'd panic. I think he'd shit the bed. And I think that's what think, happened with United. Um, do you think Solskjaer have West Ham where they are? No, I don't. No, but that's the thing. I don't. Th- I don't think Solskjaer is a top top manager either. Solskjaer has done great for us in terms of coming in and steadying the ship. But I think the same. Th- I think Moyes wouldn't do it either. I think if we brought Moyes back now, the same thing would happen. He'd shit the bed, 
and we'd be back down to six or seven with him again. Even even with you know us handing him a much much better squad than he was handed initially, because yeah. don't forget whoever took over from Ferguson was dealing the fail there. Yeah, it was, it was a nearly a yeah, foregone that conclusion. Was, that was a, that was a poison chalice. No, it was. The force manager who took that job was always going to look like he shit himself. No matter yeah, who it was, you and, know. And, no matter who it was, you know, and and that's possibly why. You saw the likes of Guardiola go, you know what? Actually, I'll have a fucking year out rather than take that thing. Yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? Um, no, possibly I think, it is. And I, I do agree it was a poison chalice to give him, as I said at the start. But like, I, I just think he need, I think he's the kind of manager that needs a safety net behind him. A safety I, net that says if I come fifth or sixth, it's not that. Or if I come seventh or eighth, it's not that big a deal. I think he's had to give in West Ham more than they could have ever dreamed of, in just my opinion. Yeah, no, and I think that's the <laughs> yeah. point. I think he has that confidence behind him that you know there is a safety net there, so he takes that risk and he goes for it. Um, I, like, I, yeah, like, I get, I get look, your look, point. Look at what yeah. happened there when he played United, right? And he brings on Noble and he gets kind of you know he got a bit of flack in the papers. Tell it me is, now that, he was, that. <laughs> yeah, tell me now that if he did that, Man United, do you think he'd have got only the little bit of flack? He'd have been crucified in the papers. It would have been. All over, they would have been talking about it for the entire week, whereas it was just kind of a passing story that he did it with West Ham. And I think that's the difference. There's way more pressure when you're at a club like that. And I think he just couldn't handle it. I, I think if you brought him into United now, I think the same thing would happen with him. I, don't I think, yeah. Uh, no, how, how, no, how do you feel on, on Moyes as? I, I think he's done an outstanding job at West Ham. I think his recruitment has been brilliant. I think tactically he's really, really good. Um, I think he knows what he has there in terms of the quality of a squad and he plays and sets up within that sort of quality that he has there. Doesn't try to outdo himself at any stage. I think he's capable of going head-to-head with any of the teams in the league and on his day getting a result. And I think when you have the talent there, the likes of Suchek, Mikel Antonio, when he brought Jesse Lingard in, look at the revelation of Jesse Lingard went through in that last six months of last season. He was arguably one of the best players in the Premier League. Um, and Anton- of, look at Antonio. Yeah, but like, I mean, some of, some of that, some of that, you know, revitalization of Jesse Lingard, some of that has to be down to Moyes, you know what I mean? You have to give him his due in terms of that as well, you know? And I'm sure he must have been very disappointed either not to get him back on loan or to sign him, being honest. Um, but I, I, you know, I think he could be more than capable of taking on a big job. I think he'd learned a lot from his time at United. I think he feels himself. He was hard done by there as well. He was only there what ten months was it? Um, and as Darren said, any any manager going in there knew that they were under the cost straight away, coming off the back of that and the wave of emotion of Fergie leaving and having to kind of continue on and trying to fit in culturally with what Fergie had developed there and you know, try to fill those boots. And you see it with Solskjaer at the moment. I mean, you see it with Solskjaer, with what he's trying to do at the moment. You hear him in press conferences. You heard it the other day where he had a stab at Klopp talking about these penalties and stuff like that and all. That's shades of Fergie-esque. The only problem is when Fergie did it, Fergie had the nous and the clout and the credibility and the winning to kind of back that up. Solskjaer tries to be Fergie 2.0. But he hasn't got the the cloud. He hasn't got the nous. He hasn't got the win. He hasn't got the what would you call it? He hasn't got the credibility to pull that you off. Hit, you hit the you hit the you hit the nail on the head for mm. me there, Noel, with the word credibility. Mm. You know, when Ferguson said it, it was believable. When mm. Ollie said it, you knew he was fucking bluffing. You'd be dying to sit at a poker table with him because you'd empty the fucker out. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> um, and that's just because you know when he's saying it, he's looking at himself going. 
they're gonna believe this, aren't they? Yeah. They're gonna believe this. They're gonna believe this. And halfway through, he's gone. They're not fucking gonna believe this. You know, it's yeah. like I, I was, I was listening to that press conference the other day when he started talking about, you know, not directly, but what Klopp had said about penalties and stuff like that. And I remember being a Liverpool fan at the time when Klopp said it, and I was disgusted that Klopp had said it. Yeah, I was thinking, you're letting the side yeah. down here. What are you focusing on this stuff for? Don't get into that. You know. But then to see him bounce back and bring it up again as if to say, well, we're being hard done by here. Yeah, but you've had 10 more penalties than everyone else in the league, and you've had five penalties to Liverpool's two in the time that we spoke about it. And you're thinking, you're trying to be Fergie here, but you need to stop trying to be Fergie because you're not Fergie. Um, and I just thought it was a bit naive by him, you know, and, and and that kind of thing in a press conference as well, that heaps pressure on the team as well, you know what I mean? Because you're listening to the guy who's the manager and you're going, where's he coming from for this? You know what I mean? This who, is ridiculous. Whoever comes in to United eventually, um, we've got to start, or we've got to stop, you know, using Ferguson as a benchmark because, you know... It's, it's done. Th- it's done and dusted. There's... You're going to have 99% of the managers out there that aren't going to stand up to Ferguson and his record. So don't judge him like that. Don't judge him, you know. Let let guys go and let them do things their way. That's that's what, what's been a problem at United for me since Ferguson has left. You know, um, I wasn't a fan of Mourinho. Um, but, you know, there's pros to Mourinho. But one of, the, one of the cons was, and one of the things that didn't work with the United fans was, he didn't play the Fergie way. He didn't like you. He didn't, you know what I mean? There was all of these things and and and, and that was criticisms I leveled at. I leveled at him as well. But, but you know, he was a proven winner, Mourinho. And he did bring trophies to the club. Um, and, you know, with maybe a bit more backing at certain times. Because the timing of things is crucial. He asked for that centre-back, you know, and he, he said, listen, get me a centre-back and, and I, can, I can go close with this here, you know. And we didn't back him. And he went in and ultimately he didn't have the centre-back. And, you know, you can't be a defensive unit without the main leading part of it being a centre-back. Do you know what I mean? Um, we, go like spend, we go and spend 80 million on McGuire the next season. All of a sudden we start looking a bit a bit more solid and you're thinking, this one not under Jose. We'd have had a bleeding chance here. And, and that's from somebody who didn't like Jose. I wasn't a Jose fan. I'm still not a Jose fan. But even, you know, when there was times when under, under Van Gaal, you thought, all right, things are going well. But then it was always, oh, it's not the United way. It's too pragmatic. It's this, it's that. Like, you can't, football fans, and I've said this for a long time, are far too fickle for my liking. You know, it's it's hero to zero in the in the kick of a ball. And you can't just be saying, oh, yeah, you know, we won the game, but we didn't win it the way we wanted to win it. If you're winning football matches, that should be enough to keep people happy week to week. You know, that's, the performances are great. and But at the end of the day, like, stuff is, is judged and measured on how many points you've got at the end of the season. Where you sit in that table, so if you if you eke out you know thirty one nil wins and you've a couple of draws and it gets you to a title, like take it and and lift it with both arms. Don't worry about you know not scoring enough goals or any of that shit. Yeah, you're now you're a hundred percent because I I mean if you remember the amount of leagues that Fergie won and how many results did he grind out year in year out those one nils those last minute winners injury time winners and all. That, that's your bread and butter in terms of getting over the line in the league. You'll always look back at those moments, those 12 or 15 games where you went out there and you slapped teams up and stuff like that and all. Yeah. But it's those one nils that get you over the line. I was saying to the boys on the Brentford review the other day, you know, we might look back at that point that we got at Brentford and it could be crucial to us at the end of the season. You know, you just never know. And I like the comment that you made there about the, the moving on from Fergie. 
I can say categorically here as a Liverpool fan, I spent years living off the success that we did years ago. And look at how long it took us to move on from and get back there again. You know what I mean? And I think unless you cleanse yourself of that and go, right, this is day one and this is where we start now. That's part, that's history. It's in the cabinet. Forget about that. This is what we want to try and achieve now. I think if you don't get your act in that very quick, you end up in a sort of a whirlpool of, you know, nearly, 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 nearly. And we did it for years at Liverpool, years. Um, yeah. It took us so long to get back there, you know. Um, so I, I, I agree with your point there. It's a very, very good point that you raised there about moving off from that Fergie era and creating a winning culture at United again, basically, which is really what you need, you know. Um, yeah. But lads... Absolute pleasure having you on again, as always, on the Monday evenings. I always really look forward to these shows. It's great doing the reviewing. We have a great week of football coming up, certainly with the Champions League and also some fascinating fixtures at the weekend. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, by the time we talk again next Monday, that ball would have come back down to earth, that, that Bruno hit into orbit. Um, but we shall wait and see. Still so, waiting on Mares as one from the Liverpool game as well. Maybe it might clash with Mares like Haley's Comet or something <laughs> like that and bounce off the International Space Station. <laughs> <laughs> I thought yeah. you were going to say bounce off international football and get fucking rid of it. <laughs> I wish. <laughs> we, we are, we're all wishing for that. Darren, I have to remind you, we've got two international podcasts coming up in the next eight weeks or whatever oh, it is. <laughs> Looking forward to them. As always. Uh, <laughs> as always, lads, till next time, Dynamo Podcast Network on YouTube for the shows audio versions on Spotify. If you want to contact the show, of course, you can drop your comments in the video for the lads. Let them know what you think. If you want to contact us, Facebook, Instagram, the upper tier, and on Twitter at the underscore upper underscore tier. Till next week, lads, a pleasure as always. Cheers. Nice one.